Warning, this podcast contains adult content, including frank discussions of sex and lots and lots of swear words. Enjoy! With her free hand, Taylor grabbed a fistful of Julia's hair and held tight. Julia's brain couldn't keep up, but her body did, matching Taylor thrust for thrust until pleasure and pain melded into a single strain of sensation and liquid heat poured from her. Unlike the first two, this orgasm ripped through her, electric, but instead of tearing her apart, it made her whole. She arched, testing the restraints. She tensed, then trembled. She screamed Taylor's name. Neil. Yes. Neil, that's very hot. It is. But, but we got a podcast. Oh, that's why I read this book. That's why you also read it out loud just now. Yes, I, <laughs> I thought I was alone in my room and I do dramatic readings out loud to myself. <laughs> Release the fourth wall. Open. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it. Love it. Um, hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Claire. And this is FMK Lit. Where we read two romance novels. A straight one and a queer one. And then we play Fuck, Marry, Kill with the characters. We certainly do. Also, so many spoilers. All the spoilers. If you don't like spoilers, if you should. you don't like to hear the end, the middle, the beginning in any random order we choose, but definitely <laughs> the end. <laughs> <laughs> Just go read these books. Uh, um... And then come back and talk to us about it. And by talk to us about it, I mean, you can you can speak out loud alone in your room as much as you want. We shall not hear you, but we will share our opinions with you. Yeah, we mean talk to your laundry about it. Talk to your uh, bus driver about it. Mm-hmm. Talk to your mm-hmm. children about it. Talk to your mm-hmm. cats about it. Talk to your workmates about it. Because we don't know. <laughs> or, because we're bad at this sort of thing, engage with us on social media. In fact, there's lots of places on social media you can engage with on, but one of our favorite places is Patreon, where we welcome a new Patreon member, AJ. (gasps) Yay! Yay! That's exciting. It's so exciting. On our Patreon, you can find wonderful little treats, like extended episodes where you get to hear Christine's notes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We've said this before, but I think it bears reminding, Christine does not read these books and reacts in real time as we talk about them. So her notes are her reacting to the madness that is our lives. Indubitably. Neil, where can they sign up for our Patreon if they so choose? Patreon.com slash FMK Lit Pod. And I, we do recommend you put that in just straight in the URL or gaily forwarded to the URL. Uh, and it's hard to find us on Patreon because we say dirty words. Dirty words. Dirty words. But, uh, yeah. So, Neil, you picked the books. I did pick the books. What did you pick? For this episode, we read Nicholas, The Lords of Satyr, book one by Elizabeth Amber, and The Last Place You Look by Aurora Ray. And what was the theme? The theme was vinters slash winemakers. That's, that's what a vinter is, but, you know, winemakers. Everybody go get your favorite wine. Yes, I'm, I'm celebrating with a Riesling. Ooh. Am I alone in my room? Yes. Is it afternoon? Also, yes, so I shall not be judged about it. <laughs> I judge you not. I judge you not. Good, good, good. Um, so I have to say right from the top, 
we're going to talk about satyrs a lot, as in the figures from Greek mythology, the half-men, half-goats from Greek mythologies. I am from California. My T's become D's. I say satyr. So I'm talking about goat men, not special Jewish dinners. <laughs> I just have to put that out there. Very important. And I, actually, I think that is worth saying. Um, I also think, like, uh, there's a little bit of a trigger warning for consent. Ooh. We haven't had to do this much, but just FYI. You know, if you've ever enjoyed fantasies where consent is not something that is worried about, this is a great book for you. If you do not want to hear about it, uh, we don't want you to stop and turn around. We will cover the first book first, which has no consent issues. <laughs> which has consent done beautifully. Yes. Enthusiastic consent. The second book, our Seder book, Nicholas, does have consent issues, and we will be talking about it, and it'll be around, so you may want to, you know, like, skip out. Skip out. Skip we'll through, also skip bring it end. up. We'll bring it up when we get to that part of that book. So if you just want to listen to the book around that, that is also fine. Um, yes. Uh, so... Before we get into all that mess, uh -huh. Claire, yes. what's got you hot and bothered? Oh, God. I had a nightmare last night that you and I had read different books. Uh <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> Listeners, small peek behind the curtain. We were ha I was having connectivity issues. So Claire said, oh, I want to talk about this book, but it didn't come through. For me, so I said, I'm sorry, what? And Christine thought that we had read different books. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, it was oh, uncanny. no. It was uncanny. And there was definitely a moment when Christine had freaked out where I freaked out a little as well. <laughs> Honest to God. Like, um, and considering there is very little wine talk in that book, there's a good reason to freak out. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. We'll get into it. There was anyway, not so, nearly yeah, so much I wine a, as I wanted. I had a nightmare where um, I opened up the book and I read the description of it for the top of our episode thing. And you were like, I'm sorry, what is happening? <laughs> and then like we read different parts of the book out loud and we had completely different books. Not only that, different themes, like... <gasps> And mine was more like a play that was like a murder mystery. And it was like, how did this go wrong? Yeah, I don't, I'm not going to say that I want that to happen because I don't want that to happen. But also if it does happen, <laughs> it could be fun, fun, wacky, figure it out. Oh my God, it was a mess. Anyway, so it, uh, if anybody's wondering if Claire is stressed out about this podcast ever, she does. She does, in fact, get stressed out about this podcast. <laughs> Goodness. <sighs> now now that you've put it in my brain, I I will likely have a, a nightmare about it as well. Also, <laughs> listeners, I have to apologize up front. For the last three weeks, for whatever reason, words have been really hard for me. So it's going to be a lot of like, oh, and then he, um, you know, with the... Uh, Went to bed. Oh, it's going to be a lot of that. I'm sorry. So much of that. Hopefully the reasoning helps. What makes uh, it funnier? I don't know. Yeah, it makes it make sense. I don't know. Uh, Who knows? Neil, we'll find out. Yes. you hot and bothered? <laughs> so I'm sure people are at least somewhat aware of the deluge of AI generated art that has become a thing. 
So much. And artists have very strong feelings about it. And people who aren't artists have very strong feelings about it that, in my opinion, are mostly pretty dumb. But what I wanted to talk about very specifically is I was made aware of, um, and this isn't a surprise, but I was made aware of the fact that AI-generated art has been, uh, has become a part of, like, illustrated porn. And... So I saw somebody directed like, oh, here's a list of like weird failures because AIs don't understand how clothes or bodies work. Really? <laughs> um, so there would be drawings of like the faces are good and the, 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 the faces are good. The AI is good at recognizing faces. Surprise, surprise. It's not like, you know, anyone has contributed to that <coughs> apple. Um, <laughs> but it'll be like, and of course, the list I was looking at was like gay, gay porn. It's like uh, they'll have a third significantly smaller testicle. The the nipples just kind of like melt off in one direction and look like sad eyes. Bits of clothing are just like randomly there. So like it'll be as if they have like I've seen a couple. It'll be as if they have they're wearing like bright blue thongs. And so the straps that go across their hips will be there. But that is literally it. There's no other clothing involved. <laughs> Just like what is what is happening? And then also a lot of times like the head of the penis will be facing the wrong direction or like the distinction between skin and cum will just not exist. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm looking at a couple of images that I have Google searched. Uh, they are insane. Yeah. Um, I do. I do really, really like the one where it's just a guy fucking a woman's belly button. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. That one's. Um, some of these are just apocalyptically incredible. Yeah. Uh, Dolly See, would love them. It's funny because a lot of the ones that I saw were like, if you just, if you were scrolling through thumbnails, you wouldn't notice. But if you look at the image long enough, it's just like, wait, what? Who the, what? So I, I find that amusing. Oh my God. Also, in my opinion, this whole discourse around like, oh, we're democratizing, we're democratizing art. And now we don't have to worry about those elite artists, you know, bogarting creativity. <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck oh, you. the elite artists. Those elite artists. Yeah. All the, all those, all those artists with Twitters and Tumblrs and, and all of that who are making so much money, so much so money, much money and have so much sway in our society. No, fuck off. Oh my god! Um, uh, uh, since I do a job that's sort of around the this particular industry, it's not directly at it, but it's like nearby it. I will say the artists who do draw pornography are slave labor at best. Like <laughs> they are not paid a great deal. There is no elitism there at all. <laughs> yeah, or it's just like people who do it in their spare time and have patreons or whatever like yeah also the democratization of something does not mean this theft of a thing like the, those right. are two different things like theft and de democracy are different yeah 
same with the fact just because you don't instantly know how to do something doesn't mean that it's elite. Right. Like, like everything, making art requires practice and skill. And also, also, it should make you feel good. Like, if you do it, and even if it's bad, if you're just doing it and it makes you feel good, that's fucking enough. Trying to... Oh, God. And I say trying to. We, as a society, more or less, have imposed capitalism on art, and and those things are anathema to each other. So don't do art because you want the social media clout or because you want the money. Do art because it makes you feel good and because you have something you need to say. That's why you should do art. And hey, if you get paid for it, great. If not, that's fine. Getting that out of you and exercising those creative muscles is enough. Just like calm down. Also, I'm, I'm assuming it's a bunch of cis straight white guys who are like, well, I'm not good at it. So it's elitist. <laughs> Fuck off. Find something you are good at and be happy for other people for once in your goddamn life. Anyway. Ooh, that's the Riesling talking. Ooh, she's spicy today. <laughs> um, that is hot and bothered, folks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Ooh, today's going to be fun. Should we talk about some books? Let's talk about some the, books. The buzz just hit me all at once. This is going to be great. <laughs> the Last Place You Look by Aurora Ray. Julia Pierce can think of nothing more humiliating than her wife of eight years leaving her for her personal trainer. Oh, wait, she can. Without a career or a place to go when the, that exact thing happens, she's forced to move home and take a job at her family's winery. Taylor Winslow has been in love with Julia since 10th grade. Not the desperate, pining sort, but the kind that never really went away. When Julia reappears, Taylor has a chance to finally win her heart. The only problem? Julia's hell-bent on making up for lost time by dating every eligible lesbian in town. Signing on as Julia's wingman may lead Taylor in the friend zone for good, but it's a gamble she's willing to take. With Taylor in her corner, will Julia find love and herself? Where she least expects it. So that's what the book says. Yes. Claire. Yes. Is that what the book is? I mean, yes. Almost. Yes. Pretty much. I mean, mostly. So Julia does return back to her hometown after mm -hmm. being away for years. Uh, so hometown is in upstate New York. And she's been living in New York, New York. She lives, she grew up near the Finger Lakes, which I didn't know was a thing until they mentioned it in the book. And I was like, what? And I looked at a picture on Google Maps. I'm like, they're lakes that look like fingers. How they cute. Are, they look like fingers. They're little fingies. <laughs> little fingy lakes. That's actually near where my mother grew up as well. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, so she returns back to her hometown embarrassed and sad and depressed because of her divorce. She also returns real fucked up in the head because her ex-wife was a manipulative bitch mm -hmm. who was uh, emotionally abusive and emotionally and financially abusive. Um, so she is, she's just, kind of a messed up person who doesn't really know what to do with herself anymore. She's going to live in her grandmother's home, which is empty because her grandmother has died a couple of years past. Her Mima. 
her mima. I had not heard that until well into adulthood. I'm like, oh, that's cute. It is cute. So she's going to live there. She doesn't really want anybody to know she's back, but that's impossible. Immediately people know and immediately people tell Taylor, who honestly is the only other lesbian in town. (laughs) Yes. There's not a dearth of lesbians. It's just them. No, it is a dearth of lesbians. That's correct. I'm sorry. I used the word incorrectly. It is a dearth of lesbians. Uh, I'm going to anticipate what you're saying. (laughs) Um, Taylor is excited because she had a crush on Julia in high school. Uh, Julia is not excited to see Taylor because... uh, she knew Taylor in high school as the only other lesbian. <laughs> yeah. But also, can we talk about what a fucking stud Taylor is? Oh, my God. Okay. I just want to right now. Right now, I need to say this. Taylor deserves better. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor is an angel who came to Earth to gift upon us her woodcrafting skills and her ability to be emotionally available <laughs> and, and her openness to change even when she doesn't want to and her affection for a lovable do- lazy dog. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Okay. Taylor is an amazing person and then also is like a total butch lesbian who like wears men's clothes in a way that it just sounds like she walks around in like boxers and t-shirts and I'm like, and I know she pulls it off. I bet she looks fucking hot. And then Waylon the dog is just like so lazy and old and lovable and just kind of like sleeps all the time. But then she like has conversations with him and he'll sort of like snort and she'll be like, okay, okay, I get it. Uh, uh, so the, the she two, becomes, she's a romantic. Like she's she a comes romantic. up with the best dates. She's a romantic. She is also a dom in the boudoir. Yes. Mm. But her very special kink is somebody else's enthusiastic consent. <laughs> yes. Uh, you you know I you know that whole scene I want to get into and I have quotes about. <laughs> She's handy in general. She's good at anything she does. Uh, she does not like people. But you know what she does? She's open and honest about that. She's like, you know what I don't like? Talking to people. <laughs> and she'll say that to people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then she has she has a gay twin brother. Uh, uh, whose tuxedo she borrows when she needs to go to a fancy shindig. <laughs> and you know she looked fucking hot uh, in that tuxedo. That's good in that. Also, okay, we're just going to skip to this part because we just got so much love for Taylor. So Taylor does not want to go to New York. The last time she was in New York was for a senior trip in high school, and she did not enjoy it. She's there now to surprise Julia. Um, And it goes badly. We'll get to that later. So she doesn't know what to do with herself. She knows she should just go home, but she's feeling like sad and she shouldn't drive home sad. It's like a five fucking hour drive. So she goes, she just walks the streets until she ends up in front of Stonewall. And she's just like, oh my God, that's right. 
I'm gay and these are my people. <laughs> and it's like she's ended up in front of a church and it's a sanctuary and it just says, come in. And she goes inside and she has drinks and there's not that many lesbians, but there's so many warm and friendly. Everybody's there and they're excited for her. She looks great in her tux and they cannot wait to tell her about it. And then when she's ready to leave, she's like, okay, that's, I should probably get something. She just like follows some gay guys and ends up at a Greek place and gets a Euro. And it's like, great. Follow the gays is the moral of the story yeah and <laughs> she and wanders just, the city all fucking night oh and oh. i just i love her so much and here's where we will begin the story so taylor and julia hang out together and they decide to just get a drink and chill by taylor's fire because taylor has an amazing fire just out mm-hmm. in, out inside her backyard and they're cuddling up not with each other, but in Taylor's handmade and erotic chairs. <laughs> she's made so many of them, she's bored of making them. <laughs> uh-huh. And I salivated at that. I was like, I want some erotic chairs. <laughs> anyway, so they're sitting there drinking and talking. And Julia says after her divorce, she like her wife, Erica, was the only person she's ever actually slept with. Um, she wants to slut it up and she wants to just have sex with as many people as possible. At this point in the story, in my head, I'm like, yeah, you should. Mm-hmm. That's fine. That's, and uh, it's good to say it out loud to this person who you actually kind of think he has a crush on you. And Taylor does. And Taylor's like, okay, well then I kind of need to put a brakes on something because that can't be me. I'm not a one night stand person. I don't want to do that. So you can't think of me that way. And Julia's like, got it. Clicked off. You are not one of the one night stands I'll have. And Taylor's like, good. That's fine. It was a perfectly rational conversation. And then later Julia's like, you said you didn't want to sleep with me because you're, you're judging me for being a slut. And Taylor's like, no, that's literally not what I said. It was very obnoxious. So this herein begins one of the reasons why one Taylor is an angel who we all love. Taylor says exactly what she's thinking and feeling all the time. Her, her emotions are open and available to those she trusts enough to say them to. Mm -hmm. Um, She openly tells Julia often, I like you. I like you a lot. I do want to sleep with you. But I need you to know right now, I can't be a one night only person. And if you want to have sex with other people, you really, you and I cannot have sex with each other. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And Julia takes that every single time as some sort of judgment on her choices, as some sort of like, like making it seem like, you know, that what Taylor is saying is like, I am off your list completely. I do not want a relationship. She takes it that way, which was weird, a weird way to take it because that's the opposite of what she said. Yeah. So, and herein begins my distaste of Julia. So now there's some things I want to be frank about. Julia has a right to being fucked up because a fucked up thing has happened to her. And she has a right to also want to slut it up because, you know, everybody has that right. Uh, she does not have a right to emotionally uh, use another person, i.e. Taylor, <laughs> 
as her emotional needs person, knowing that Taylor has a crush on her. Like Taylor has set up some very specific boundaries and, you know, wants to be a friend. But so then every time Julia has a bad date, has, you know, anything, she runs to Taylor to tell her about it, but then has an emotional connection with her. And it's a date thing. Mm-hmm. They do it in pri- You know, she ensures that it's happening in private. She, you know, she ensures that it's happening in a cozy way. They cuddle up all the time. It's, uh, and, and Taylor's like trying really hard. She's like, you got, and, and Julia thinks everybody's judging her all the time. Mm-hmm. Like she's, she thinks her sister who welcomed her back to town with open arms is constantly thinking in her head, like, Oh, Julia, the fuck up. See, that's the thing that really drove me crazy is Julie in Julia's mind. Things are a certain way, but we never see that be true. Never. And so she's like, oh, my family behaves this way. And it's it's towards the top of the book. She's like, they're so well-intentioned, but they they always happen to say, like, just the wrong thing to make me feel better. So I end up feeling worse. And, like, my sister, who's so very perfect and blah, blah, blah. And then every interaction we have with her family, they're nothing but supportive. And then another thing, too, that really got me is, like, we were slowly... It was sort of like, oh... Taylor did this and it made uh, Julia feel so great because Erica always did this thing, but we never really like got concrete examples of the way that Erica treated her. It all felt very nebulous to me. And this is one of the very few books that I was like, I need some flashbacks. Yes. Same. I need, I need to see, because otherwise it's like, if everything has changed and Julia just doesn't know it, like, and she does come to realize that, but in some ways it's like this weird gaslighting of a character who's just like, my family isn't supportive. And then her family is nothing but supportive. And she's like, oh, I guess I misremembered things or whatever. Like it was very bizarre. Yeah, and then I, also there I were, will, go ahead. I will say like, uh, uh, you know, knowing people who've been through really terrible, emotional, uh, emotionally abusive relationships, like that person is able to manipulate them in such a way so that they do start to like believe like it's part of the isolation tactics to Mm. like remove you from your family and friends. So like you undermine, not you, that person, (laughs) that person emotionally manipulates, uh, the person that they're like, uh, that they've got a hold on to, to believe that it's their family and friends who are mm-hmm. undermining them the whole time, yeah. that they're the ones. And so like, after you've come out of this long relationship, I 100% believe like returning to those people, you, you, you doubt what they say and what they mean. And especially, and even if you haven't had that, this other person that you loved and trusted completely, who has been undermining you emotionally and your self-esteem this whole time, you can't trust anybody. And like, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of this going on in your head. And so a lot of that was believable to me and I didn't really need super concrete examples, but what I did need was other people talking about Erica and other people's experiences of Erica. Because one of the things that I think was interesting is early on, she says her family was not on board with it. And she explains to Taylor that they weren't on board with it because Taylor is from money and from the city and was going to take her away. Erica. 
sorry, Erica. I apologize. Erica was from the city and was going to take Julia away because Erica had money and Julia didn't. Like, and, and that's why the family hated him, hated Erica. But, I mean, I would have enjoyed a moment with the family where they explained, no, that's a dumb reason to hate a person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we hated her because she was mean to you in front of everybody. She made you stop doing the things that you love doing. And when she was around, you didn't talk to us. Like that way we could see how the emotional Mm -hmm. manipulation changed her from Mm -hmm. one, from the person that she was to the person that she is. And that we could understand some of like what was going on in her headspace when we were in there. So it wasn't annoying. So Mm -hmm. we weren't constantly screaming at her. We're not seeing what you're seeing. It would have also been nice to like, see like, to, to, if we're seeing it from her point of view, it would have been nice to hear it from her point of view, mm-hmm. like to actually feel the way that she felt. Instead, I got what everybody else was saying to her all the time. Like, I totally understood. There's a way to write it so you can uh, manipulate me as a reader <laughs> to yeah. believe those things. Yeah. And instead, I, it made me feel like they, the author wanted me to think Julia was a crazy person. <laughs> and that's yes. mean. Yes. <laughs> it was so bizarre. And yeah, I mean, like... Yeah, I just, I needed to understand more what the relationship with Erica looked like so that I had a point of reference instead of just like little teeny details that came out like pretty late into the book. Yeah. I I needed to know. Sorry, go ahead. I needed to know like from the offset of just like. You know, like she, I'm stuck in town with a family that never supported me. And Erica always said this and she pointed out that. And then my sister said this thing. And, you know, so obviously Erica was right. Blah, blah, blah. Just like for us to see where Julie's starting out from. Because also I never got the sense that she wanted to go back to the city, what she planned to do next. And there's the, it was, you know, she's sort of like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. And like, that is that's a perfectly valid experience for a human being to have. It's really hard to pull off well with a character and a narrative because what usually happens is then they just react to things. And that's exactly what Julia did. She made very few choices. She just kept reacting to things. Whereas if it was sort of like you know, I feel like even if it was just sort of like, oh yeah, I need to figure out what I'm doing. So a, I'm sledding around. I think that's a that's a that's a, a good way to to address that. But then the whole wingman uh, plot f- ended way too soon for me. I was really excited about the wingman plot, and then it just sort of like fizzled out. Or she's like, you know, I'm taking I'm taking classes at the community college, and like this week I'm trying floral arrangement. This week I'm trying baking. Just like f- something, something to give her motivation, other than I don't know. Yeah. So let's get to this multiple dating she does. So <laughs> there, there are the book alludes to off-screen dates that don't exist, and it bothered me. That pissed me off so much. All the women, three. We've seen three. You've we told us about three. them all. There are three. Don't talk about these other women. They don't no. exist. And it made me feel like there were only three. Yeah. Like, up until much later, she tells a story, and there's like fifty or something. And I was like, this is yeah. bold. Like the the book doesn't even feel like it skips time. 
It does. There's a lot of bathtubbing in this damn book. Oh God, so much. So okay, so the dates. So <laughs> okay. So she goes on one very bad date at the beginning. Like this is, and it's, and it's not even all that bad. It's another woman who is just being completely honest. <laughs> like mm-hmm. they go out to dinner, and this other woman is like. So where are you right now? Julia says that she's recently divorced. This is not something this woman wanted to deal with. (laughs) (laughs) She's immediately like "Mm," turned off. And obviously this date is coming to an end. I could see that as a reader. This woman (laughs) was not on board anymore. (laughs) And then this woman is like, so wants to resuscitate at least the sex part the date part's going bad but you could tell this woman wants to still fuck julia so Mm -hmm. she's like okay so what are you into like bedroom wise and julia comes out and says well i'm kind of into like some you know control things to which this woman rolls her eyes and says oh my god you're a fucking pillow princess (laughs) (laughs) and and Julia's like, okay, I'm done here. And I thought that was perfect. The thing is, though, that woman was right. That woman's <laughs> instincts were 100% on board. Julia wants somebody else to make all the decisions for her in her life. And I was like, that is why you ended up with Erica. You ended up with Erica because as a teenager, you were like, here's a hottie who has a shit ton of money and can take me away from this town that I personally don't know how to get out of because I have no ambitions. And she was like, yep, you right. And she picked her up and took her to New York where she worked part-time shit jobs while Erica did fucking cool things. But then also, (laughs) I got the sense that she also, like, became Erica's, like, personal assistant. Yeah, yeah. And Erica's family owns a bunch of art galleries. So she basically was, like, arranging Erica's social calendar for all these art things Mm -hmm. that... If you're into art, that sounds super cool. If you don't want to be somebody's personal assistant that you're not getting paid for, like, I get it, sure. And I just, that was your impression too, right? Yeah. Because later, with the interview for the residency, that was not a contest. It was definitely a residency. Um, She didn't even mention that in her interview. I'm like, bitch, what are you doing? This This is a residency to teach kids to, like, give them access to art. You you don't know how to teach. You just barely got into photography, but you know how the art world works. Mention that in your fucking interview. Intimately know how the art world works. Intimately. And then she and didn't. Oh, no, God. she didn't because she she because she goes with the flow because she likes that, and <sighs> I know she likes that because the moment she and Taylor start dating for real, Taylor takes the reins. Yeah. Like, and not just a little bit. Taylor plans all the dates. Every single date, every t- every sex thing they had, uh, Taylor's not just in charge when they talk about the Dom stuff. Uh, Taylor's in charge mm-hmm. and gets it going, starts things, makes things happen. Julia does her part later. <laughs> <laughs> and like the entire thing, all I could think of is like every other book we've read that was a good book where it was lesbians having sex it did seem to me that in a lot of ways it was much more dual participatory both people could enjoy things at the same time we didn't need to take turns all the time that's for this that's for the straights <laughs> <laughs> we can do things together 
(laughs) (laughs) That's what all of the other sexes felt like in most of the other lesbian books we have read. Mm -hmm. And there was not a moment where Taylor said this weird thing. And I didn't, I I reread it a couple of times. She's like, if you keep doing that, I won't be able to keep going. And I'm like, why? And I do need to know why. Like, yeah. are you just, is your body going to be so shook you got to sleep? Because that's fine. But, <laughs> um, I, look, I, I just don't know why you need to stop. <laughs> See, okay, there were, there were moments in this book that I was like, was this originally a straight book? And then some pronouns got changed. But, the thing is, this writer specifically writes lesbian romance, but there were moments like that where she, where Taylor was like, oh, I got to stop or I won't be able to keep going. Uh, you know, like a man was like, oh, and then I'm going to come and then I need to take a break. But as we know from romance, ladies can have 20 orgasms right in a row. So I don't see why Taylor has to stop. Yeah, I didn't. Again, like unless it was an earth shattering orgasm, that's just like, I need to take a second. Like one of those orgasms where your teeth feel numb. Like I Uh get it. You need to chill out for a second. You need to enjoy that shit. Uh I get it. But I feel like that's what should be in there. You know, like we should say that. Like, <laughs> and anyway, so I was like, okay. But anyway, and that's really one of the only times where I really felt like Julia was a participant in the sex mm-hmm. 100% instead of just a pillow princess. Yeah. And here's the thing, too I don't take umbrage with julia wanting a partner that basically like makes all the decisions for her especially when she finds a partner who wants to be the one to make all the decisions but just like narratively she had nothing else going on i gotta say so much of this book felt like room temperature oatmeal oh my god just Just nothing it was so boring it was so much this book was so boring boring. like so she and taylor would have like these lovely romantic dates that were romantic and I looked forward to them every time they happened. And then they would sit in companionable silence or the narrative would be like, and then they talked about this thing and then the stars came out. It's like, I want to hear about those things. Yeah. Or or worse. Now we have to go and spend a chapter with Julia's family who are nice people, despite what Julia's crazy brain is telling her and nothing happens. They just are nice. Or we spend time with Chris, who is a nice man, and whose company I sh- uh, Taylor enjoys, as they are twins, but also had not to add to the conversation. It was given not much character. <laughs> I agree, but the one um, exception was they had a scene where he's like, so you two go in steady, because I know that's what you're yeah, into. And Taylor scene. was like, well, we've only been hanging out, so I'm kind of assuming, and Chris is like, never assume good or bad. Either way, you gotta talk about it. And Taylor's like, yeah, okay. And, then and you they know talk why that it. scene was good? Because it had stakes. Because <laughs> Two people because... wanted things. And like, <laughs> one of them didn't know want to give it. And then like... <sighs> And like the whole family scene, all that was happening was Julia's crazy brain going, ah, my perfect sister, my perfect sister. She hates me secretly, even though she is at the moment 
trying to put together her own child's birthday and is stressed because her family is there. There's a billion children there. She has to decorate the cake that her kid wanted and she doesn't know how to decorate cakes. This And like her sister was stressing out over something real world and Julia in her head is like, everybody hates me. And I was like, oh, I hate you so much. Perfect, perfect, perfect. What's the sister's name? Um, it's like Caroline. Caroline. Perfect, perfect, Caroline. <laughs> and Caroline's like, literally, it's like, Julia, I need help. I am in such a mess right now. This isn't working. Please help me, please. Julia, ah, Caroline, perfect, Caroline hates me, hates me. She's probably asking me to help her to make me look like a fucking idiot. It's like, that's literally, none of that is what's happening, Julia. Literally not. Um, oh. So let's get to qu- plot quick. Because there isn't much of it. There isn't so, much of it. So Taylor... So much of this book was just like... so Like, okay, I have to say, I had to read half of this book yesterday. Because every single night, I would get into bed, and I would try and read the book, and I'd get like 15 pages in, and then I would be falling asleep. <laughs> I, so much of it was just like... Uh, um, like, when we... W- the different dates were fun... I'm yeah. like, okay, I'm engaged. And then nothing happened for so long. So long. Oh, um, my God. Okay, I was so bored. Like, I also kept falling asleep reading. I've, I have tried to, I tried to be a good girl. Like, I took this on the plane with me to a trip. Um, I took this there. I, t- I, I, I had a week where I didn't have a whole lot of deadlines. I was at a hospital um, for somebody else. Everybody's fine. And it was, uh, there was so much time to read this book and I couldn't, mm, it just wasn't happening. So yesterday <laughs> I didn't have anything else to do. And I'd always, I'd set the day aside to read anyway. Um, I got the, I bought the audio version. I put it on two times speed and I went for a long walk in the park. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's smart. And I was That's like, this is how I'm going to stay awake. This is how I'm going to stay awake. The park was smaller than I expected. So I had to go to a mall. <laughs> oh, because you don't live near Golden Gate Park anymore, sweetheart. No, oh, although when you come and visit, I will take you to this park because it was beautiful. Great. A deer. A deer was like five feet away from me. Oh, yes. You sent us pictures. I bet a lot of cruising goes on there, too. Oh, I bet. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. So, um, so I had, so I listened to this very quickly yesterday. <laughs> and so all of the voices sort of sound fast in my head when I'm thinking back to them. So it's not just like Julia's like, oh, Caroline doesn't understand me. She's always criticizing me. It's Caroline doesn't understand me. She's always criticizing me. <laughs> <laughs> Great. I love it. I love it. So anyway, um, so Taylor, who is magically good at absolutely everything, is commissioned to take wedding photos for somebody who lives in the small town. And she brings Julia with her and gives her a camera and is like, just take the long shots (laughs) and (laughs) take some of the, take some of the, like the candids and get some people together and take some of those. And she's like, I don't know if I could do it. She's like, you were fine in high school. It's fine. (laughs) And she takes some good photos. (laughs) I don't know what a camera is anymore. Erica wouldn't let me have a camera. Yeah, basically. See, you know what though? If I had been given that detail, it would have helped me be a lot more invested in Julia's life. Oh my god, if I had gotten some sort of like oh. uh like if I had gotten a moment, like a flashback where they were packing up to go to New York and her camera fell out and shattered on the sidewalk and Erica looked at her and was like, "Oh, it's not like you're going to get much use out of it anyway. I mean, you were 
you know what you were just doing it for the love of it right i'll get you one of those teeny ones yeah yeah, yeah, then yeah. I would have been like, yeah, Erica, bitch. Erica, Erica, bitch. <laughs> um, so anyway, anyway, she takes some photos at a wedding and they're like really pretty great. Um, uh, Taylor has to handhold her through all of her emotions. So she's like, how these are, these are good photos and you have a great eye. And Sorry, Julie can I interject like, really fast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The drinking game for this book is someone pays Julia a compliment and her response is, you don't have to say that. That happened, I don't know, 60,000 times in this book. Right. <sighs> and again, I would have way more sympathy for something that is a true trauma that pe- and a true trauma response. It is absolutely a true trauma response if I had any basis for it. And here, dear listeners... Here's one reason why Neil and I are harping on this so much is because you do finally get to meet Erica and uh, none of this. There is none of this. There is none of this. And uh, she seems sexy and maybe a little bit of a manipulator, but honestly, not bad. And her manipulations are, you can see right the fuck through them. So it's not like they're like, she's not like, she's not like, Ooh, I did it. And even like the biggest manipulation, which would have been great, uh, didn't happen. So, <laughs> or it did. I was unclear about that. Unclear. We're getting oh. to that right now. So okay. she, Julia takes some photos. She's commissioned to take some graduate school photos for a high school kid that's graduating. Those turn out great. She's able to get some good photos out of that kid. Um, and and then, then all of the moms are like, please God, take my kids pictures. Senior photos are fucking stressful. I don't want to deal with it. <laughs> so I am an Which amateur, I believed. I am an amateur photographer who has been uh, commissioned several times and paid to do photos. And I can say this. People will hire you if you're cheap and you, they get to pay you under the table. Mm-hmm. <laughs> People love that. If you don't know your rates, they will hire you. <laughs> <laughs> And can you do passable photos? They'll hire you. The moment they are willing to pay more for somebody who's actually doing their job well, they will. (laughs) They will every time. Um, I can also say this, thanks to the smartphones and the cheapness of a lot of these professional cameras, everybody and their mother is a photographer right now. And... This amazing residency that's available in New York that Julia applies for. She keeps calling it a contest. It's not a contest if it's a job. Anyway. She, she's like, <laughs> it's a contest. And the prize is a residency. I have to do an interview? I'm like, yeah, that's how that's how residencies work. You yeah, don't, but uh, also, she, she drove should me. know because she's been in the art world for eight years at a right? high level. Also, what drove me fucking crazy is we had a scene where she was trying to figure out what to submit because she had to submit a portfolio of like themed photos and then also a a statement, like a personal statement. And we had a scene where she was sort of figuring out like what to do. She's like, well, I have these senior photos, which doesn't quite, that might be too rural for something so urban. I have these wedding photos, but that doesn't have anything to do with this like arts organization for children thing. So I'm trying to figure it out. And then we just skip over. Like, I feel like the, the writer forgot to write a chapter where Julia gets an idea and goes out and takes photos or whatever. Cause then all of a sudden 
She's already submitted and now she's getting an interview. Yeah. And her photos are apparently perfect for this. Um, but we don't so, know what they are. It's also, it's a six month paid residency with like gala exposure. And I'm going to have to say, no, nah, she wouldn't have gotten that. No. That's like, these books are fantasies and I'm almost <sighs> always willing to go for even the job fantasy, the amazing apartment fantasy, whatever. I'm willing to dive in. This was, uh, like anytime like a writer does well in these, like I'm, I'm usually willing to bypass it. Like, fine, whatever. Yeah. Honestly, this was, I felt abusive to me. <laughs> And, and like, I was like, this is like, and she, there was so many other interesting places this could have gone where she discovered this herself, but no Taylor hand held her through this, mm -hmm. like where she started working with kids in that neighborhood. But no, we had to be brought back to New York and I get why, because we had to have the confrontation with Erica. Cause that's where, of course, this was always going to go. So she does get the residency. She does go to New York in the series of boring things that happen that nobody oh, needs to care about. God. She's there doing the residency. There's a gala. Taylor comes to surprise her. She's excited, but Taylor finds Erica standing there with her hand on, on Julia's back. And then Erica insinuates that because she's on the board, she got Julia this position, which honestly would have been great. It would she have been didn't. good. It would have made so much sense if she had. <laughs> I know. And then later, Julie, Taylor tells this to Julia. So then Julia confronts Erica and she's like, well, Taylor assumed, but, and I didn't dissuade her from. And then I was like, that's not how that goes. The very first thing I that reread the very first said. thing out of Erica's mouth, as soon as Julia gets swept away to go talk to someone else. So it's just Erica and Taylor. The first thing that Erica said is something like, Oh, I'm surprised that this is the thing that I got her back to the city with or something like that. Like, yeah. And like, she didn't insinuate. Like she said, she said that I, I recognized her name and pulled strings to get her this position. And then Julia confronts her about it. And Erica's like, no, no, I didn't. And Julia believes her. So I'm like, I don't know what happened. And I, I wish that it were true that Erica had done that thing because that would be interesting. It would have been and, so it, and fucking explain why Julia got the residency in the first place. Yeah. And I mean, Ugh. we could write it off as her like again being manipulative with uh, with Julia by saying, oh, no, that's just what she assumed, you know, to to make this a manipulation, which fine. But like, why not write it that way? Yeah. Why not absolutely write it that way so that I am also manipulated a little bit so that or that I hate her more because it was so hard to hate her because she was only had so many lines. And I was like, oh, like, uh, anyway, whatever it was. So and then there's a very cute thing that happens where, as we already talked about, Taylor goes out into the city and walks for the whole night. Um, she, like Julia feels awful about what happened. So she drives back to the Finger Lakes and, you know, wants to meet and they call each other and she's like, where are you? Well, I'm in New York. What? I'm back home. And there's like this thing like, oh, ha, ha, like, aren't we adorable? We both looked for each other and missed. And in my mind, it was like, that is cute, but it's also a fucking five hour drive that now Taylor has to do. And that sucks. Right. <laughs> also, I was surprised that nobody ever took the train anywhere. Um, actually, I think the train from that particular part of the country isn't as great. Oh, um, okay. It is pretty rural. <laughs> I don't know. But I mean, like. Well, but Christine knows. She's going to look it up right now. Because <laughs> <laughs> they were they were driving distance from like Ithaca and Rochester and 
Yeah. Anyway, whatever. I don't know. I'm from California. We have three trains and we should have more. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if this, like, you know, whatever this writer, but, um, yeah. So then they get together and they're, you know, Taylor does the thing that she hasn't wanted to do, which was she opens up a shop so she can sell her chef stuff right out of a shop instead of like working for other people's commissions for this. Making out of Ron Doc chairs that she hates. Right. She didn't want to do that because she doesn't want to deal with all of the other things that owning a brick and mortar business means, which totally makes sense, FYI. Yeah. Um, but Julia pressed her to do it. And in probably the scene where I hated Julia the most, <laughs> Julia needed to get this off of her. Like she needed to tell Taylor the truth because she hadn't yet told Taylor she'd applied for this uh, residency. And when she'd gotten it, she now needed to tell Taylor for sure. And instead of just saying that, she then accuses Taylor of not like being ambitious enough right and i was like wow you need to be broken up with <laughs> she's like oh my god you could make so much more money if you moved to new york it's like that's not how you want to approach this what i did appreciate about the shop is that it was going to be taylor's furniture um julia's photography there was another person that we met that did some kind of it was it was like a local artisan shop yeah and taylor had this thought of like our town deserves this why like why shouldn't we have this kind of shop here too so i appreciated that because it was like made sense it was it was you know because she's she's very uh isolated so it was like her finding a way to sort of like help build community after having been to new york and just got having gotten a taste of what community could feel like yeah so i appreciated that because Taylor's oh, the best. Because Taylor's the best. I also appreciated that. And also, it's not like Julia was going to go out and rent her own studio because no. Julia can't do shit for herself. <laughs> Taylor had to do that. It's true. And it's then, of course, true. instead of finally paying to have like her grandmother's home refurbished, she just moves in with Taylor, which is fine. Because, yeah. again, Julia can't do anything for herself. And then... So. And then she's not even like, oh, I'm the one selling it. She's like, oh, my parents will deal with it. No. And I mean, one last point, all the dates that Julia went on, every single one, she was completely self-centered. Mm. Like hmm? she, she was not like, even the narrative was self-centered, like just assuming that all of these other women's problems, issues, interests were just not interesting. One way we could pick up on that is she meets somebody who did actually super like her again, and Julia doesn't remember her face. It's like, and she's Bianca. like, remember me? I'm the only person who liked you. Mm -hmm. And Julia was like, oh, right. They Ugh. went on a date, and they ended up hooking up, and Julia just like didn't really feel the spark. I mean, she was Which like, the fine. sex wasn't very good. I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. And then Bianca comes in, and she's like, why does that lady look familiar? And Bianca's like, hey, remember me? But Julie got her comeuppance because Bianca's like, just after you ghosted me, I met someone and I'm very, very happy. Yes. I think to Julia's credit, she was happy for Bianca, like genuinely happy for Bianca. Oh, yeah, no. But one of the things that bothered me, so the reason why we see Bianca again is because she's bringing her company to the wine tasting to you know where julie is working for her family and like it's a fintech company to which julia says what is fintech what does that even mean and i'm like you went on a date with this woman i'm positive she talked about it i know she did like 
you blanked on this whole woman's life, not just her face. You blanked on everything. And I am 100% willing to bet that that sex could have been better if you participated. But you didn't. You didn't. And then the third day we see... The third date we see is with a woman who is just as awkward as Julia and is having a very hard time getting back into the dating life and doesn't know what to do with herself, takes Julia to Applebee's. I'm very sorry, Julia. That was the one time I felt a lot, a lot for you. Yeah. She's like, let's, I think it was like an Ithaca. They're like, let's meet in Ithaca. We'll meet at the Applebee's and then I'll rent a hotel room so that we can go swimming and maybe spend the night. And this woman proceeds to order, like, three entrees for herself. Because she's so nervous. And, like, and then in the end, like, we find out, like, at, like, after a disastrous date, after the disastrous pool incidents, after, like, everything goes wrong, she just wants, she just sits and talks to Julia. And she pretty much tells Julia she's been having an awful time dating. Like, she's just gone through this string of horrible relationships, a string of bad dates, and she doesn't know what to do. And she's just not feeling it. And instead of, like, building community with somebody that she's, who's having the same troubles she is, who's just as awkward as she is right now, she constantly like uh like judges this woman's choices Uh she is forever she judges everything she orders even though julia has no room to judge and like very weird body issues and then um and then doesn't listen to her the whole time she's talking just figures out where to say "Uh uh-huh and then leaves and i'm like you were the bad person on that date you were the bad person julia is the Erica of the book. <gasps> oh, Taylor. Not oh, even Taylor. Erica is the Erica of the book. Julia is the Erica and the Caroline and the personal trainer that Erica left her for all rolled into one. Her, she's the problem. She is. I'm sorry, Taylor. We will rescue you when we get to the FMK. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that was that book. I have, sorry, I have things I need to talk oh. about. I know we're going over long, but I just have to, I have to say two things. One, uh, this book went out of the way to get Julia a friend who was not her sister or her girlfriend, Amanda. So I appreciated that. And she even had the, she's like, I need to talk about this residency, but I need to talk about it with someone who isn't like wholly invested and biased in me staying here. And she had that person in Amanda. So I appreciated that. She found a friend who was able to give her friend advice and not sister advice or girlfriend advice. So I appreciated that. Also, it was finally at 60% in that I'm like, okay, we're getting to the kink. We've just now learned, just now learned that Taylor has a dom side, despite the fact that we've been spending time in her head. I wish this had been alluded to earlier, but they have a conversation about it. And they basically say like, Julia's like, I like to be sub. And Taylor's like, I like to be dumb. And they have a very nice conversation about it. And to the point that Julia says, um, basically that she wants to get tied up. And, uh, and then she's like, um, basically she's like, oh, what if I want to give you, oh, here it is. Okay. Uh, 
So Julie says, I want to get tied up. Taylor says, I'd want to talk through it first, understand what you like, what you want. There's a lot of variation still, both in terms of what we do and how we do it. A slow smile spread across Julie's face. Can I say I want you to make all the decisions? The image of Julia naked and bound to her headboard danced through Taylor's mind. Once we're there, yes. But I need to ask you some questions before. Taylor tipped her head to the side. And you'll need a safe word. So, like... Julia's like, I want you to be in complete control. And Taylor's like, that is definitely something that we can work towards, but that is not something you just jump into with a brand new person. Yeah. And we need a safe word. And then when we see them get to the doms, the dom sub sex, that scene was very hot. And it was, um, Taylor says, okay. And what's your safe word? They both know, but she's like, Julia, do you remember your safe word? And Julia says it's pineapple. And then Taylor says, I'm not going to try to make you say it, but if for whatever reason you feel uncomfortable, even if like your arm is falling asleep and you want to stop, just say it. I'm like, yes. Like, honestly, honestly, a little bit spoiler for our own episode. I was so ready to kill this book, but their conversation around power dynamic sex was so well handled and that sex scene was so good that now I cannot kill the book because compared to so many other things we've read, including our other book today, like I, it has to exist. It has to exist out in the universe so that people can see it as a responsible example of kink play. I agree. I agree. And I would 100% say like this was also like, a, like if you are at all interested in kink play but haven't done anything, this is actually a really good intro into it. Yes, just buy like, the book, skip to 60% in, mm-hmm. read a couple chapters, and that's all you need. Just read that section, like, because it was tender, it was caring, mm-hmm. it was also... There was like, aftercare. There was lots of conversation about it. It was not the fantasy version of it either. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like, okay, spank me hard now. There wasn't any of that. It, mm-hmm. was, it was about control and what that really means. And, uh, yeah, no, I thought it was great. And also, because it was something... I wish the I wish the writer had gotten into it more. That Taylor obviously has a lot of experience with. Yes. And we don't get into that how she got that experience or whatever because fuck that I guess. Taylor's but Julia so wants that experience but has never had it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, you know, which was one thing why I did not like. <laughs> Like when she told the very first woman she dated that she was into this, I was like, the, wow, you just said that. But apparently when we're talking to Taylor, you've actually never done it. <laughs> oh, what a weird date that would have been if that woman mm-hmm. had decided to go forth and did not really understand. Mm-hmm. So, Goodness. yeah, no, that scene was great. Um, anyway. Yeah. That was the last place you look. That was the last place you look by Aurora Ray. Nicholas, The Lords of Seder, Book One, by Elizabeth Amber. The last in a fabled line of otherworldly aristocracy, the Lords of Seder are born to wealth, power, and a talent for sensual delight that mere mortals only dream of. Commanded to marry, these passionate men will travel to Rome, Venice, and Paris, and along the way will explore desires both shamelessly wicked and blissfully divine. He had sworn to take a proper wife. He hadn't bargained on meeting his match. 
Nicholas looks very much like what he is, the handsome, successful heir to a vineyard in Tuscany. But Nicholas is much more, for he is one of the last in an ancient line of satyr men. And the dying of the king of Elseworld wants him not only to marry, but to wed one of the king's own daughters, a half-human, half-fairy woman, unaware of her heritage. Nicholas won't shirk his duty to produce heirs to guard his race's legacy, but he never plans to make his bride his only lover. The satyr's sexual hunger and sensual skills are legendary. One woman will never satisfy him or so Nicholas believes, until he meets Jane. As spirited as she is fey, as beautiful as she is innocent, she is nevertheless determined to make her new husband hers alone, and she's eager for him to teach her every deliciously carnal secret he knows. Nicholas, quote, the leading man is the sexiest one this reader has seen in a long time, unquote, romantic times. First place winner and judge a book by its cover, single title 2008, and in the first romance writer's beacon contest, placed or finaled in seven other RWA regional contests, including the National Reader's Choice Award, on the Nielsen Bookscan list of top 10 100 bestsellers, quote, keeps hold of your heart and mind, quote, joyfully reviewed, recommended read, quote, on my top 10 favorite erotic book list, a double thumbs up, unquote, Night Owl Romance, five stars. I tried to read that as fast as possible because it was so long. <laughs> so long. I just realized as you were reading that, as spirited as she is fey, and we know she's only half fey, and she is indeed only half spirited. <laughs> Uh, and boy, does her spirit die. Okay. <laughs> and that is revived and then dies again. Okay. <clears throat> Neil, Neil, take us through this erotic epic. Okay. This book is fucking bonkers. <laughs> we open in a wooded glen in the hills of Tuscany. And our guy Nicholas is a satyr it is a full moon so he has become prey to the calling which happens every full moon where satyrs grow a second slightly smaller penis and have to fuck until dawn so they are able to summon from the mist shimmer skins which are just eth ethereal spirits who pretend to be interested in them and just <laughs> continue to be pounded oh also we learn they just need to they just need to come once and then the second smaller penis retracts back into their bodies but yes. then they just keep fucking all night long. Yeah, and that that second one is specifically for the anus. <sighs> Later when he fucks our girl Jane in the anus and they talk about how big it is even though it's slightly smaller than the first one and then it just like retracts directly into his body. I'm like, "No, you got to wash that thing off first." <laughs> She was not prepped for that. No. Uh, yeah. Anyway. It also did seem that that second penis is the one that delivered the baby sperm, but it went into her butt. I cannot I, emphasize this enough. <laughs> that that's where it went. And yet he was like, oh, she's pregnant now. I'm like, ah, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. 
So we have Lord Nicholas. Uh, it, it is eighteen twenty something, by the way. Yeah, it's the it's the mid eighteen hundreds, which I didn't realize until we got there. Like it said a couple chapters in, I'm like, oh, okay, sure, whatever. And he, Nicholas, is a lord of Castello di Blackstone. <laughs> sure. And he and his two brothers, they okay. So he and his two brothers each have a fortress that forms a triangle and there's walls between them. So they block off their vineyard as well as the gate to the Fey world, which is called Elseworld. And up to this point, I'm like, I'm fucking on board. Let's fucking do it. Yes. <laughs> we find out the, the Italian brothers are Nick rain and I think it's meant to be pronounced lion, but it's spelled like the French town. So the Italian man, Lyon, Lyon, <laughs> Lyon um, are satyrs and they are very successful vinters and then also in charge of guarding this portal. And they're the last of their kind. And then they get a letter saying from from the king of Elseworld, who's the king of the fairies, who basically was like, hey, I knocked some bitches up while they were asleep and they had daughters who don't know their fairies. You got to go marry them to keep them safe. And basically he's like, there's one in Rome, there's one in Venice and there's one in Paris. And the brothers are like, I don't know. And Nick's like, I'm the oldest. Rome is closest. I get that one. <laughs> Very romantic. Um, so then he's out and he can like smell Faye. So he, he'll be able to find her. And then this scene, I actually really enjoyed this scene where he's at this party in Tivoli with all the, you know, the, the gentry and whatnot. And they're like, uh -huh. oh, Nicholas. Even though he's Italian, so his name is Nicola. So he should go by Nico. But his name is Nick, whatever. Um, and in a flashback, we find out that his name is actually Nicola. His father calls him that. But no, his the title says he's Nicholas. So sure, whatever. So everyone's like, oh, Lord Nicholas, have you heard about the, um, the blight that's affecting all the grapes in Italy and France? And he's like, yes, that's very terrible. But I don't have to worry about it because of magic. I'm going to try and seduce one of your daughters now. Bye. <laughs> So then he can smell the fairy blood coming from this, like they're at this sort of garden party and vendors have sort of set up. So there's like amusements for the gentry and there's a fortune teller's tent. And this woman walks, this very beautiful young woman who's like the daughter of like a quasi friend of his, except he doesn't really have friends, but just like someone that he works with or whatever. Yeah. A work friend, I guess. Um, yeah, one, one of, of the people who buys a lot of his wine. Yes. The, his beautiful daughter walks out of the tent and even though I'm sure he's met her before, Nicholas is like, <gasps> she smells like fairy blood. It's her. So he's just like, hey, baby, what's up? And that's when we learn that satyrs can read minds, kind of. And yeah, she's like, sort of. She's like, oh, he's so sexy, but also like, I'm just an innocent young lady. And he's like, does she know she's a fairy? Oh, she doesn't know she's a fairy. Of course she's not thinking fairy thoughts because she doesn't know. <laughs> I enjoyed the scene. I okay. I enjoyed the scene, and I didn't one because like right away I was like, uh, "It's the fortune teller." Like, <laughs> right, right, right. But it was 
It was fun liked, for me to watch that unfold. I liked how dumb he was. Yes. I wanted that to continue. I was like, yes, a big <laughs> dummy. And it kind of made sense to me because he's magical. He doesn't interact with the humans a whole lot. Like, that's what I wanted was a big dummy who was just like, bumbling through the world and like accidentally fell in love. I was like, okay, that's not what ended up happening. This whole scene like led to a book that didn't happen. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. So then he convinces this woman to go into talk to the fortune teller. And then he realizes, Oh, it's the fortune teller. Who's actually the, the Fae. And we find out that it's this young woman who grew up in England and who comes from not the gentry, but like upper middle class. Like yeah. she, she's, she's, she has enough family connections that someone's going to figure out who she's going to marry for her to help figure, to help raise their status or whatever. And so he basically follows her home because she looks like this shriveled old lady who speaks in Italian cockney. I don't know what the fuck that is. Um, He follows her home and finds out that she's actually this beautiful young woman who lives in this like nice house. And he's like, oh, I can figure out who these people are and I'll get her to marry me. And that'll be that. So then we meet Jane and Mm -hmm. they don't tell us that she's from England right away. I'm like, oh, yes, the the beautiful Italian girl, Jane. (laughs) Um but no, her dad is Italian and he fell in love with this English woman who I guess was visiting. She was probably doing the grand tour and he went back to England with her. Right. And then he became an alcoholic when the mom died in essentially a drunk driving accident, like the 1800s version of a drunk driving accident where her Would carriage was that. crushed because somebody was drinking. And then their aunt, uh, the the father's sister, the Aunt Isabella, or Isabel, it would be Isabella and it would be spelled differently, uh, is basically like, oh, we need to temper your father's alcoholism. Bring him to Italy. <laughs> like, on the one hand, I believe that because they didn't believe in alcoholism for a very long time. Right. <laughs> but it rang completely untrue to me as well. And then, of course, I found out it why. And then we found out why. <laughs> okay. So then basically... Um, Jane is like, she gets up one morning and Isabel's like, you're getting married now. And Jane's like, oh, is it to your friend's son that I can't really stand? She's like, bitch, no, it's Lord Nicholas Sater. And she's like, who the fuck is that? And then they meet, blah, blah, blah. There's a contract. I do appreciate that Nick picked up that Jane had no idea what was going on. And she's like, can I ask about, I have questions about like, the particulars of this contract and the notary or whatever was like, that's your wedding contract. You sign right here. <laughs> and she's like, are you fucking kidding me? And I appreciate that Nick picked up on that, dismissed everyone else for the room and like sort of went through it one by like line by line with her to explain what was going on. Right. Basically he's like, I want to get married. I expect an heir. If you cannot produce an heir or if you are unfaithful or in any of these things, we will annul the marriage. But even then, you'll have an allowance and you'll be able to, like, you'll be taken care of for the rest of your life. Meanwhile, Jane has some mysterious magic powers. She can make plant gr- plants grow. And we find out later that feathers grow out of her shoulder blades. She's like, this is fucking weird. And I don't like this. And I'm worried that my younger sister is going to have this problem. It, she, The sister is younger than Jane was when these things started manifesting. So she's like... My only focus in life is two, two things. One, to cure whatever's going on with me. And then two, 
look after Emma and cure it in her too so that we can be happy. So she's like, oh, so even if I, even if I just marry this guy and I can take the 1800s equivalent of the pill, I know some herbs, so I won't get pregnant, so I won't have a kid. I'll be put up, I'll have an allowance, and then I can take Emma, I can send her to school, and we can just live happily ever after. I'm like, get it, girl. Those are good goals. Good Good goals. So she's like... And she's like, I'll have to put up with him having sex with me. Although she doesn't know what sex is yet, because she hasn't had the talk yet. She's just like, I have to put up with whatever the hell happens in bed at night, but I'll figure it out when I get there. I'll figure it out. So she's like, I'm on board. And honestly, at this point, I'm like... Good for her thinking it through. I knew this was going to be a like arranged marriage. They fall in love. But like this was one of the few times that her like one of the few times that I've seen where it's like her if if the female if the woman has motivation to do it. It's like a good motivation. It makes sense. It's clear to me. I I see she's also gaming the system to get what she wants. I'm like, great. Love it. Love it. Love it. Enter the cadre of evil bisexuals. Oh my god. <laughs> we find out that Aunt Isabel, who fucks Jane's father on the reg, who's her half brother, stepbrother? Stepbrother. Stepbrother. Stepbrother, yeah. They fuck on the rag. She also has this group of lady friends. And because their nipples are pierced, they are Bacchae, essentially. They're uh, Minads? Is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah. So basically, they were like, they they fuck men to death. They'll just like scoop up some dock worker or something, get each other going, fuck him to death, drink a lot of wine. That seems like all they do. And then they suspect that... Nick is a satyr or from Elseworld or something. So then Isabel wants Jane to marry him and have kids and then kill them all off, but keep the kids and raise the kids to be cool for reasons. Yeah. I don't know. She's like, imagine what their children will be like. And all of the lady friends are like, yes, yes, Isabel, I imagine. But we don't get told what that means. Oh, no, it's to fuck them. Because they want to then fuck the children. But for why? Just because? Just because. Just because. Just because. And then... the, the, The nipple rings aren't just nipple rings. They divide the nipple in half. So it's almost like they've got four nipples. Gosh, great. Also, it like kind of brainwashes them. I don't know. Yeah, because they 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 want to give the rings to our girl uh, at some Jane. point, Jane. They want Jane to have the nipple rings as well, so they can control her. Right. And then also, they're like, "Oh, it's great. We we have this whole plan. Obviously, Jane doesn't want to be in the marriage. We know what Nick is like. She's gonna come running to us with her kids. We're gonna be basically. They're like, we're gonna like manipulate her into like believing us. And then Isabel is nothing but terrible to her the whole time. And I'm like, you are bad at this plan. Yeah, this no, plan you like, have. If she you're was bad just at nice, it. Isabel would like. And also for being as like open with sex and excited about it, she does not explain sex at all to Jane. Doesn't. And in fact, she's just like, no, you're not, you're not allowed to like it. Girl. Don't like it, but also don't hate it too much. 
just be nothing <laughs> underneath him. Be nothing underneath him. Yeah. So then we get to the, we have the wedding, blah, blah, blah. And then, um, oh, and then Julia with, uh, or Jane, sorry, Jane with Nick is like, I have one stipulation that Emma can come and live with us. And Nick's like, yeah, sure. Fuck whatever. I have an enormous house. I don't care. Um, then we have the wedding and then Isabel's like, no, Emma's staying with us. And Jane's like, oh, but I, and Isabel's like, well, you're in your honeymoon phase. Obviously you're going to be fucking. It's not appropriate to have your young sister in the house. So what I'm like, sure, whatever. Which I, I actually we, kind of agreed with, but I was like, yeah, how which does makes... this help your plan? <laughs> that is a really great question, Claire, that I do not have the answer to. Anyway, so then they, okay. So then. <laughs> okay, should we so warn then, readers now? Is this the the listeners now? Almost. Okay, almost. Almost, almost. Keep listening, listeners. Keep listening, listeners. So then. She settles into her house. She finds it super weird that uh, the servants leave at the end of every day. Like, they don't live on the house, in the house. They live elsewhere and they come in. Anyway. So then, is their wedding night? Or a couple days after, whatever. The first night that they're both in the new, in Castello di Blackstone. And she's waiting in her bed. She knows he's going to show up. Stuff, something's going to happen. And then proceeds the least sexy sex scene I have read in my goddamn life. Um, I will say, like, yeah, I mean, um, I mean, it was also, I think, written on purpose that way, which I respect that that's the way it was written, because that's the way it was supposed to be. Like, Nicholas is doing this perfunctorily. Mm-hmm. Uh she is doing it perfunctorily. It is a perfunctoral act that nobody is enjoying. And nobody is supposed to enjoy this act the way, and like that's the, the, the writer did a good job of writing a very, (laughs) he sticks his thick fingers into her in a way that's very like, I have a passage I'd like to read. Oh yeah, do it. Um, although I do have to say this is actually one hundred percent a trigger warning. Like this yes. like absolutely like um like whatever timestamp this ends up being, like you can stop here, fast forward to, to close to the end. This is yeah. like we're gonna get into it now. Blood fingers searched with business like intent, quickly finding the untried slit hidden within her crisp soft down. Without warning, a fingertip pricked and then delved inside as though a thermometer intent on taking her temperature. I'm just like, this is, nobody likes it. Like, nobody likes it. And then we find out later that growing up, Nick's dad is like, there are two types of women. There are women who do like having sex and there are women who don't like having sex. For women who do like having sex, go have sex with them. For women who don't like having sex, marry them and then have sex with them. Yep. So, so he, and then we also find out that because she's now full of his jizz, that she's being woven into the protective magic around the, the compound. They do use the word compound, um, which I get like, we're, we're ta- we're looking at Dionysian Bacchanalian elements here. So like power and sex, magic and sex and body fluids. Sure. I get that. But like, we're meant to believe that he's good at the sex. But apparently he's just like, 
hello wife blah 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 goodbye wife why like why is this like this and then um we find out he can control whether or not he impregnates a woman like he can just decide in his brain um so that's great uh and then now we get into now we get into the the so then he he tells her he she obviously doesn't understand like sex his approaches to sex so then he explains the difference between a wife and a mistress and basically i also want to say like very quickly the sex that they do have so is also painful for her like Mm -hmm. every time they have it like it's it's a little less painful every time but it is still painful yeah and i don't know why the writer did this but the writer did where so (sighs) women who are forced to have sex their body reacts to it in such a way where they start to clench Mm -hmm. to refuse entry not that they it can the body can't absolutely do that sorry republicans the body can't do that but it does like it 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 swells and becomes sore Mm -hmm. um and then repeated tries at that just increases the injury and that's what it is it's an injury it's a repeated injury and that is what is happening to her body (laughs) Mm -hmm. to a point and then the writer and the writer writes that and then the writer decides no she should like it and the writer then said he says it nicholas says it and the writer like uh approves of this is like sometimes women like this kind of pain and mm-hmm. it's like okay pain that you ask for <laughs> yeah you can grow to like it pain that you've had to got used to because that's all you know yes you can also grow to like that but oh oh, oh i am not qualified to talk tra- talk about trauma pain that you become addicted to i'm not qualified to talk about that but uh, neither is this book. And mm-hmm. I was not happy about that moment. And I was upset about it. <laughs> and there are times this writer is a pretty good writer, pretty descriptive. Like, I mean, like, I will, like I'll read out something that I thought w- would work great in a horror novel mm-hmm. about sex. But oof, that was not, I was not happy. I'd like to read a passage. Yes, please. He stared down at her. Sometimes the soreness can enhance the pleasure, but you must let me know if it becomes too much. Pleasure? She wondered. Did he mean he would experience more pleasure if she were sore or dash? End of paragraph. I highlighted that. I was like, well, that's the patriarchy in a nutshell. That her first instinct is to be like, oh, is he talking about how he likes it more if I'm in pain? Okay. This whole book is, he likes women... He likes women he's created. He likes women who are faking it. Mm-hmm. He likes women who are pretending. He over and over again is talking about mistresses and mistresses can't say no. And a good mistress will always say yes. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, that's not a true thing or a correct statement or something I like. I will say there are points in this book where our where Jane is allowed to say no and, and is listened to, but like two, maybe way late. Mm. Uh, she says no often. Mm-hmm. She says no and means no often. Mm-hmm. Cause they're okay. So 
this book creates boundaries for her for them to be simply demolished without any care at all. Um, so she doesn't like drinking because her mom d- died in a drunk driving accident. And so we get to a point where the calling is happening. So Nick's going to grow his second dick. And now that he's like in love with her or whatever, he has to fuck her and her alone. And she's just going to have to take it. So he gives her this magical wine to like loosen her up, basically drug her. Um, And she's like, okay. And then there's a point they start going at it and it's not enough. So she's like, can I drink more of the wine? I'm like, why are you having this happen? Anyway. um, So, basically he he's like okay some crazy shit's gonna happen do you want to talk through it now or do you want to do it step by step and she's like let's just let's just do it step by step and then she was not expecting a second penis so things get real weird and she's like okay um actually can we talk about this and he's like too late bitch yep Uh, there's another point where she's basically like so i'd really like to like have a conversation about the things that i am willing to do not willing to do like going forward like ground rules for our relationship in bed about what that's going to look like and blah 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 and his response is basically lol fuck you yep it's it's awful it's awful and then even when he's like fucking her with his two magical dicks, she hates it. It feels bad. None of the sex is sexy because it constantly, it she's constantly in pain and not enjoying herself. No, and then why? And this, is, and this is also it's part of the fantasy. It's part of the fantasy for her to be in pain and not enjoying herself because he grows yet another appendage. <gasps> We okay. We have that to seems to come from his taint. Well, we we need to put that outside of our trigger warning area because I need to talk about that so desperately, and okay. I'm gonna scream okay. about it. I, okay, I want to put it inside it too because, like, okay, because it is part of like the rape fantasy that is this book. Um, but then we'll also talk about it afterwards, so we'll okay. just all repeat ourselves. But um, well, you'll do your thing, and then I'll have my ridiculous reaction yeah, to it. We'll do the rant afterwards. But so okay. that next, what was it called? That the other, seeker. The seeker. So the seeker comes out after sex things have happened and uses some sort of uh, healing ejection ejaculation upon her that heals all of the. Now, anal fissures, I can only assume, is what she has. Maybe Mm -hmm. straight up tears through her own taint. Mm -hmm. Um, Like any other sorts of things, it heals them. And that she enjoys. That she's totes into. She's just like, yeah, this is fine. We can do it. It also gets her off. It also gets her off. Ugh, Um, stupid. Because then then, then it's made to, to make the reader feel and believe that these men can do anything to a woman anything to a woman and she will be healed and it's fine and it's like no that's not like we should no people should be able to say no people should be allowed to have limits i am Mm -hmm. perfectly fine with somebody who says i want you to tear me open and bleed me out that is something i want mr Mm -hmm. Sater. let's make this happen on this altar yeah but that's not what ever happens. She's not given the time, the information to mm-hmm. like, uh, uh, she also has to go through this with, uh, uh, we'll bring it up again because it's important to plot. 
his brothers. She has like the very end of the book is her having for her own protection to have sex with all three of them at the same time. And she says afterwards, I never want to do that again. Like she hated it at the she time. She never wanted to do it in the first place. Um, and <sighs> it's just, it's so upsetting to me that, yeah. that, and again, <laughs> if that is your fantasy, if I am mm. right now talking to somebody out there in the world who would viscerally enjoy this book and the fantasy of those things, this is also a continued trigger warning to you that I hated it and was just brokenly angry about it. Yeah. So, you know, stop listening to me now because your opinion is valid and fine. Um, my thing is... But mine is, is too, and fuck this book. <laughs> my thing is, like, even if it's not something I'm into, yeah, get into whatever crazy, weird, dumb, sub-power dynamic shit you want as long as there's trust involved. And I need to see the dom be trustworthy before I'm okay with it. Even if it's not something that I'm into, even if I don't want to read that particular thing, I need to see the dom be trustworthy. So comparing this to our other book, by the time we get to the conversation where Julia's like, I basically want you, Taylor, to be in charge of absolutely everything. Taylor has shown herself to be trustworthy multiple times throughout the book. So I'm like, yeah, go nuts, kids. But in this book, Jane is fo Jane is forced to choose to trust Nick because she has no other option. So when she says, like, oh, well, I trust him. And he's like, do you trust me? And she's like, okay, I guess I'll go fuck both your brothers now. Like, I, I don't trust him. She cannot trust him. It's not sexy. No. Anyway. Anything, anything, any other stupid, terrible consent stuff we want to talk about? Um... No, I think like okay. the one other sex part I want to talk about that's outside of consent that's that's that has consent issues. We can actually talk about it without the consent stuff. So, okay. Okay, um, great. So we're outside of our welcome back. Those of you who wanted to skip that whole section, it was grim. I'm jealous of you. Uh, okay, so <laughs> we wanna, have to talk. Go ahead. We have to talk. Go ahead. I want to talk about the funniest scene that right. was this uh, the scene that I laughed out loud at because I didn't know what was happening, but I in my mind put something else happening. So he's trying to introduce her to sex with multiple people, and and oh. and he's got her blindfolded, and he's uh, and at this he, he point he does you know, voices. He does the voices. <laughs> different quote-unquote men are coming into the room and they are like having sex with her and he's like he does different voices i'm mr so-and-so looking back and forth and he's like playing the different oh but i want to fuck her now no i think it's my turn well mr moore you have waited <laughs> i imagine he like does a little finger mustache for, for one of them and then like does like a bristly you know like a 
walrus mustache for the other one. Just like doing silly things with his face and his hands to be these different people. I so laughed so hard. Oh my God. I was like, this is fucking hilarious. I mean, she was... She also would have laughed if she knew that was happening. But <laughs> <laughs> at this point, she doesn't know what's going on because she also knows there's uh, semi-invisible uh, magical people who are also in this castle. And, and maybe it's them. But honestly, uh, I knew he was doing voices and I laughed so fucking hard. <laughs> I'm Mr. So-and-so. Oh, hello. I am Herr So-and-so. Uh, but look at me. I am Mr. So-and-so. God, it was, yeah, they were all from different countries, too. So he was probably doing accents. Oh, it was great. great. And that was uh, that was not a good scene, but it was a great moment yeah. that I laughed really hard at. And then we have to talk about the Seeker. It's It sounded metallic. Like, the description, it made me think of, like, a little teeny metal snake that rolled out from his taint and went into her body to, like, clean up. And I'm like, okay, okay, listen. I can I can understand the all night fuck fest during the full moon. I can even get behind the two dicks. But a little critter that lives <laughs> in his taint and comes out and goes inside her body, cleans some stuff up and then goes back into his taint. I'm like what is happening? <laughs> also, why would a creature who's part of like Bacchus's court want to clean up body fluids? That's his whole thing. He That's loves his fluids. Whole thing. I it reminded it's me so, so much bizarre. of the alien book where he goes, It's self-lubricating. Yeah. <laughs> this weird mushroom looking thing is self-lubricating. <laughs> oh mon dieu. Okay. Um so let's get let's do some plot stuff real fast. And then I need to t- I, I need to talk about the Italian in this book. Okay. So um surprisingly for how insane this book is surprisingly there's a big chunk where not a lot is going on other it's than different sex stuff for a different weird sex book. stuff with nick being an asshole and then um oh and then she gets knocked up and then she has the baby and this whole time Anna, emma has been withheld from her so she's like i don't know what to do and then um there's like a civil war brewing in elseworld so nick is like spending chunks of time away to like go try and deal with that. And then despite the fact that there's magic so that people just can't show up, Isabel just shows up um, and it's just like, Hey, what's going on? And then one day Emma like runs away and hides out at the castle Castello di Blackstone. And then, um, then the, the cadre of evil bisexuals show up and take Emma and then they take Jane's baby and they're like, we're, we know what's in the vineyard. We know what's in the deep part of the forest and we're going to make sex happen and we're going to put rings on your nipples, Jane. And it's going to be great. And we're taking your baby. Because <laughs> we're evil bisexuals. Because we're evil bisexuals. <laughs> um, and then... <laughs> And then they 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 also know about Nick's secret sex toy room because at one. Oh my god, that was the funniest! I mean, I'm just so excited about the dildos. At one point, Isabel seduced Nick's dad and like found out about it, and so she's been hiding 
away and trying to anyway i don't know why she was doing the things that she was doing other than she likes to have sex so i guess this book is villainizing a bisexual woman for being in charge of her own sexuality oh yeah no any woman who's in charge of her own sexuality in this book was uh evil because prostitutes are not in charge of their own sexuality nope and this book makes that very clear yeah so they're not evil sex workers are evil and then also i mean oh, yes yeah, sex so, workers are not evil because they're not in charge oh that's right that's right that's right yeah no well so good for them i guess and women who like it yes because we can't I mean, be sure if prostitutes like it they just are okay with it yeah <laughs> to be fair the cadre of evil bisexuals did like kidnap and murder people that is oh, wrong that but, is bad but they're the only se- bisexuals that we see, and they are also the only women who are empowered by their own sexuality that we see. So, cadre of evil bisexuals. So then they're in the I forest, and 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 then Jane pulls out this this dildo that was the dick of some dead monster or whatever, and then Isabel's like, I Isabel's like, I don't trust that you suddenly want to join us. And Jane's like, okay. And Isabel's like, I'm going to use it on you. And Jane's like, this feels amazing. And Isabel's like, my turn now. And then like orgasms to death. Um, and then the forest is like, we love you now, Jane. And then they like the, the trees knock out all the other evil bisexuals. <laughs> and then the day is saved. Oh, and then her drunk dad is like, oh, oh, also when she was pregnant, apparently women who are pregnant with satyr's babies and she's able to have a baby because she's half fae, a satyr baby because she's half fae, women or people who get pregnant with satyr babies are only pregnant for a month. And over the course of that month, he never told her. He never, he tried to tell her once. Also, he was the one who had to tell her that she was pregnant. Um, Which we love on this podcast. Which we love. And it, I mean... In Jane's defense, she was like, oh, no, 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 it is way too soon for, like, she was nauseous the next morning. And she's like, oh, no, 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 it is way too soon for me to be having these symptoms. And he's, and then he could have, there's, because it's magic, she wasn't aware. Also, also, this drove me fucking crazy. (laughs) As I said earlier, her whole thing, her whole motivation is to heal herself of this weird thing that's happening to her and to find a cure so she can cure Emma as well. So she's like going through botany books in his library. She's finding ancient recipes for things. She's looking in his wild four ingredients. The whole time he knows that she's half fae and that she's hiding these secrets and he's mad at her because she's not telling him the secrets. Also, he could have... This whole book, he could have just said, hey, girl, so your dad isn't your dad. And that's why these weird things are happening to, to you. But he doesn't. His no. Her whole motivation continued because in this book because he's a fucking asshole to the point that she took the this cure that she found and it didn't work. And we see a scene of her crying and pulling feathers out of her shoulder blades so that there's blood running down her back because she's so upset that it didn't work. And still he has not told her, oh, by the way, I know what your secret is and I know why you're keeping it. So let's just talk about it. It was so No, and when he finally does talk to her about it, he says, It's her fault. They get into a fight and it's her fault. He's mad at her. So mad. He says, by the way, I'm a satyr and this is what that means. And she's like, oh, okay. Well, 
I, you know, and he's like, and FYI, I know you're, you're Faye and you know, you have all these things. And she's like, oh my God, I do. How did you know? He's like, that doesn't matter. What matters is you didn't tell me. And I'm like, what the fuck? Fucking dick. <laughs> Fucking dick. And also it's like so narratively unsatisfying. That's like, he knows. And there, he didn't, there was not a reason why he didn't tell her. Mm-mm. There was no good reason. If there had been something of like, oh, if he tells her, then this happens. And so he sees her suffering and feels sad, but he's like not doing this thing because it's it's in her best interest, which a man doing something for a woman because it's in her best interest without her knowledge is shitty to begin with. But it would have been better than him being like, yeah, I just don't feel like telling her. Yeah. Fucking dickwad. Fucking, fucking dick. asshole. Yeah. Like, how is this sexy? How is this attractive? I don't understand. At least the other brothers, like Rain is like, I'm buttoned up and I'm sorry if you feel discomfort. And Leon, the Italian Leon, is like, hey, you're my sister. That means you're part of the family. I like you. Like, they're probably assholes in their books too, but at least they seem nicer than Nick. And then also there's this bit that's like, we all had our special things that we did. Uh, Rain was really good at the books. Leon was really connected to the land and helped things grow. And Nick was really good at understanding how the pieces of the business fit together. I'm like, oh, so you're a project manager. Super <laughs> sexy. So hot. So hot. I say that. No, someone who can get shit done is very sexy. But he can't because he doesn't tell people shit. And it's so fucking obnoxious. Anyway, she was pregnant for a month and then had a baby. And he never, he never once told her, oh, you're only going to be pregnant for a month. Don't worry about it. There's a whole dumb thing. And then, and then the evil bisexuals came and blah, 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 blah. And that was the plot. And it was Bernanes. Oh, and then they, they ripped, the trees ripped the rings out of the evil bisexuals nipples. And then all of a sudden they didn't remember being evil bisexuals. Yep. (laughs) It was bonkers. Absolutely bonkers. Uh, I'm going to read a passage. And so while I'm reading this. I want you to prepare your Italian rant. Okay, great. Okay, so here's this passage. Uh, this is um, <laughs> this is our evil bisexual lady, the head of the evil bisexuals, going down on her brother. And it does say several times in the book, stepbrother, but only in the beginning. And in such a way that I feel like, no, this writer is okay with it being the brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because she's bisexual, so she's evil. Evil. The odor of male musk strengthened as she widened the opening at the front of his robe. Leaning forward, she ran a pl- she ran plump, dry lips along his length, burying her nose in the thicket of hair at his root. She inhaled the slight sourness, a comfortable, familiar smell particular to him. She pulled back to swirl her tongue around the under ridge of his crown and then flicked his seeping slit, enjoying his groan, enjoying the salty taste of cum and unwashed flesh. That was so unattractive. And yet it was so real in so many ways. I was like, I like if this was in a book of a better caliber and this was the only blowjob scene and it was from an ugly, awful, evil character to somebody else that she was using, I'd be like, this is great. What a (laughs) great way to write a blowjob. And that is basically what's happening. But I don't know anybody who wants that in their erotica. 
The thing is, of where too, they're supposed to be turned on. The thing is, too, this happens before we realize that she's scheming. So yeah, it's just like, is... why are we spending time with the aunt and the dad? Why is this scene even here? And then it later alludes to the fact that she right. actually killed the mom. Uh, this is also like the second sex scene. Yes. <laughs> yeah. The first yeah, yeah, one yeah. we get is with the shimmer flesh. Yes. And, and the double this, dicks. And the double dicks. So it's like, yearn for a wild ride, my friends, which is good opening if you want to let people know that. And yeah. then this is the second one. And I'm like, where's this book taking us? <laughs> Where are we going? Where are we going, book? Oh, gosh. Also, the brothers all feel it when the other ones are horny and which like getting all laid. all the fucking time. And they're, they're never like fine not with horny, it. as far as I can tell. I know. There was a point where Nick was like, where it says that, oh, Nick was always one to restrain his lust. I was like, fucking when? When yeah. once? Oh, and also, horridly, she now also feels when they are horny. Yes. Yep. And she's uh, upfront about that. She's like, don't like he. He's like, you'll get used to it. And I'm like, that's not an answer. <laughs> that's not. Nope. Um, Neil. Yes. Before we leave this book. Yes. Italian rant. Okay. It's fairly small. And my first point is very pedantic. My second point is not pedantic at all. So in Italian, the word for sir is signore. And, but when you use it as mister with a name, you take off the E. So if it's, you're talking to Mr. Rossini, you'd be like, oh, ciao, signore. But if you're talking to Mr. Rossini specifically, you'd be ciao, signor Rossini. You drop the E in signore if it's in front of somebody's name. This book did not did that, do that. And that's super pedantic. I'm not going to be upset about it. I'm just pointing it out. The second thing. So in languages that have accents, as in like the accent marks, the punctuation mark of accents, they're there for a reason. They're very important. Yeah. Um, so in Italian, the word E, which is just the letter E, if it has an accent, it means is, like it is. If it does not have an accent, it means and. So when somebody says E bella, and there's no accent, they're saying apropos of nothing and beautiful. <laughs> The word si with an accent means yes and without an accent is a reflective pronoun. So when people ask someone a question, they're like, oh, maid, did you clean the sheets? And there's no accent on her response. Then she's just saying itself. <laughs> Are you ready, my love? Itself. And here's someone's going to say to me, listen, it's hard to type accents when you are using, when you're an, an English speaker using English software. That is true. Yes, I understand that. Uh, then don't have a language with accents in your book. Like, <laughs> I, like I'm sorry. L listen, and I, I'm not mad on my behalf. I'm, I'm being nicer about it than Italian people will, okay? <laughs> I had an Italian professor who uh, taught us that you do need to pronounce, pronounce double letters in Italian because if you don't, and I'm quoting her, Professoressa Nelson, because if you don't, you are butchering my language. 
that's just pronouncing double letters. So if you're not using accents, that's even worse. So I'm saying this before the Italians get to you or any like, or even the French, because they use accents too. Anyone that uses accents, if you're going to have it written down, use it correctly. <laughs> just, just do it. Just do it. Just, just do it. Just do it. <sighs> I guess that was another grammar rant. So oh. we can put a sting in there if we want. <laughs> Neil does a rant about grammar. Um, is there is there anything else that we need no, to say about this fucking book? Okay, that was Nicholas, the Lord of Seder, book one. Nicola, his name is Nicola. Nicola. The Lords of Seder, book one by Elizabeth Amber. Okay. <sighs> Neil. I wish I had more wine. Oh, also, we have to talk about, there was not nearly enough wine in either of these books. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, I was... There was a great deal more wine in the Lords of Seder, but... Uh, <laughs> like, no, in the last place you look, uh, no, there was like two seeds with wine and then she drank some. <laughs> and then she drank some. And then when they were talking about, they were, they were talking, they were trying to get around to talking about their kinks, but they used an ice cream metaphor. And I'm like, use a fucking wine metaphor. Yeah. Just, wine! There are it's different right varietals there. of wine. Just, oh, girl. Though I guess then you'd be like, oh, I like it when it's dry, and that's not what you're trying to communicate. <laughs> so, like, I can understand that. I can get that. <laughs> um. Anyway, anyway. Um. Let's let's play let's let's play a game. Are you ready to play fuck Mary kill? Let's play some fuck Mary kill. Are you ready? Am I ready? Are you ready? Am I ready? Let's play Fuck Mary. Fuck Mary. Fuck Mary. Fuck Mary. Fuck Mary. Kill. Let's play Fuck Mary. Kill. 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 Fuck Fuck Mary Kill, mm-hmm. Nick, Isabel, Erica. Oh, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> Is that yours as well? No, I. Okay, good. But I knew I like that's my B. That's my B. Oh, plan. great, great, great. My B is a silly one. Um. All right. So, well, I'm gonna kill Nicholas. Yeah. Just Nicola. Dead. His name is Nicola. Nicola. You're just right away dead. That's fine. Um. <laughs> Look, she might kill me after, but I'm going to fuck Isabel. <laughs> she will kill you after. That's her whole thing. You know what? Fine. Look, it's her whole thing. But <laughs> you know what? No, she might She might bring me into her group. Yep. She'll pierce but your nipples pierce... and brainwash you. And then like, and brainwash me. And then every once in a while, we'll come together and just do average like uh, tea and wedding plans for our daughters. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then we'll have an orgy. After. Yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like so many of those marriage market books would be so much more interesting if the moms and aunties all did get together and had their tea and cake and then fucked like mad afterwards. Mm-hmm. Do you know a book I want to read? I want to read a book where the main character, it's like something similar to this, but the main character is one of, is part of the cadre of bisexuals, but they're not evil. They're trying to destroy the heteronormative patriarchy with queer sex. And I want that book. Yeah. 
in 1800s Italy. I want it. Let's do it. Um, and we can all speak I'm Italian marry... Cockney, whatever the fuck that means. Yeah. yeah. Which means I'm going to marry Erica. Yeah. Which, fine. Like, her manipulations are see-through. Yeah. She, uh, seemed, she... she did seem insufferable to me. She seemed insufferable, but I tell you what. She also <laughs> seemed like the type that would have a lot of money and leave me the hell alone. And... Whatever. I'll do her bidding for a bit. That's fair. Um, I don't want to marry, you know, Isabel. So that's, that's where we true. are. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I will do the same things. I <laughs> I feel like I wanna take I wanna take the little critter that lives in Nick's taint and like put it up his nose and let it eat his brains out. <laughs> Clean that up. Clean that would be satisfying. Up. Oh, Christine is uh, 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 distressed by my assertions. Apologies, darling. Um, and then I'm also going to fuck Isabel. See, she, here's the thing. She would kill me after. She wouldn't kill you after. Because they, they fuck men to death. But they just get each other going and then have tea and drink wine or whatever. Anyway. Whatever, it's fine, I guess. Uh, and then I'm also going to marry Erica. She was not fun. I don't want to be around her much, but at least I will be living comfortably in New York. That's, yeah. That's better than what else is on offer. I mean, the thing is, I keep thinking, like, with the Seeker, it so has nothing to do with him. Like, he's just going to stand there and wait for the Seeker to finish. And he's just, like, twiddling his thumbs, standing there naked while this little appendage is, like, vacuuming out her insides. It was such a bizarre choice. I don't understand it. I mean, like, why not just make it his tongue? And then, like, he has to physically... Because he couldn't. We couldn't have a man, like, get down on his knees and eat out a woman for the woman's pleasure. Heaven forbid. That That would make her evil. That would that turn would, her evil. It would turn her evil. It'd turn her into an evil bisexual. Uh, Neil, fuck, Mary, kill. Taylor, yes. Julia, Jane. Okay. I'm going to marry Taylor. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> um, I'm going to fuck Julia. I didn't like it. Well, mm, no, I'm going to fuck Jane. It won't. I, I'll tell. I'll walk her through it beforehand. We'll have a conversation about it. Um. And hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna break the rules. We're just gonna jerk off together and call it a day. Yeah. Because I want her to like have money and keep her sister safe and like send her sister off to school and be happy. Yeah. Um. And fucking Julia, like. I. I'd feel bad about killing her, but that's like saying I feel bad about killing a bowl of shredded wheat. (laughs) Or like, I feel bad about throwing out yesterday's mayonnaise. Like, it seems like such a waste, but what else are you going to do with it? So, what about you, Claire? Um, Yeah, I'm going to marry Taylor because she's an angel (sighs) um, who's amazing and wonderful. Mm -hmm. Um, I do think I'm going to fuck Jane because I do think that given all the information, she could be a fucking badass. <laughs> right? <sighs> like, she was so close. She's so close to freedom. I feel yeah, terrible. Yeah, she did also have a moment when with the evil bisexuals in the forest 
where she like her wings popped out and she like looked like a, a vengeful angel but yeah. then that only lasted two whole seconds Ugh. it was frustrating she didn't even get to save herself it was the fucking trees i know i know Ugh. upsetting um Whatever. yeah so i'm gonna kill julia also it's just sort of just a mercy killing like, yeah i mean i'm you know She's fine. It's fine. She was fine. But I mean, I'm, it's the game. I've given the, I've been given these choices. One must go forth. Yes. And of all the characters, Claire. Oh, um. So I'm gonna kill all the brothers from uh who are satyrs. Fair. We'll we'll just put an end to that line. Um, <laughs> that's just the end of them. Um. So I'm gonna kill all the satyrs. Uh. I am going to marry Taylor again. Uh-huh. Uh, she's an angel who's wonderful and our house is going to look amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think, mm, I think I'm going to fuck what Suzanne was her name. The friend, Amanda, Amanda. Why did I say Suzanne? Amanda. <laughs> I'm going to fuck Amanda because Amanda was cool and chill and fun and supportive. Yeah, she was great. I'm yeah. glad she was there. Um, I'm gonna kill Nick because fuck that guy but not kill that guy I'm gonna I'm gonna marry Taylor Taylor was so cool and sounded so fucking hot ugh I'm gonna marry Taylor and then who am I gonna fuck Claire I don't know um Taylor's brother, Chris. That's what I was thinking. Chris and his husband. Yeah. They had a whole subplot where they became foster parents. So it'll be like, while they don't have kids in the house, the three of us will just. <laughs> Jack and I will gab. Chris and I will like talk about, he's a teacher. So we'll talk about like academic things. And then the three of us will just fuck. It'll be great. Yeah. No, I yeah. think that makes perfect sense. Yeah. 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 And the books, Claire. Um, well, I am going to kill Nicholas, Lord of the Satyrs. Um, and that's fine. Um, I... It's too late now, but we always say at the beginning of the episode, go read these books. Don't read this book. No, don't read that book. (sighs) Um, It had such potential. I don't know. Like... I get what you're saying. Like, okay. Like we put these books up against each other. So sometimes there's no choice. So yeah. So I'm going to fuck the last place you look. Uh, even though it's like, it's, it's, it's like it's 3am at a bar and there's two people <laughs> standing there and one of them is Nicholas and the other one is the last place you look. Um, I'm going to fuck the last place you look. I'm going to take someone home, I guess. Yeah, I'm obviously also going to kill Nicholas, the Lord of Satyrs, book one, because not only was the content uh, unpleasant to read, but also, like, structurally, like, I never understood why Isabella was doing the things that she was doing. I don't understand why those choices were made. I don't, I genuinely do not understand what the fantasy is meant to be. Um... And then the Italian needed work. We didn't even get very much Italian and and almost all of it was wrong. Yeah. Um, I do want to say one of the reasons why I actually want to kill the last place you look is because of the very last stuff that happens in it. And I'm going to read it. 
Okay. But we're not going to kill the book. Don't worry. I'm still fucking it. Um, <laughs> um, understanding flashed in Taylor's eyes. Home. A lot more than I bargained for when I accepted the window repair services of an old friend or went out to dinner with the sexy woman who was supposed to be my wingman for that matter, Julia said. Are you complaining? asked Taylor. Never. It still gets me every time that I found my happily ever after right here. Taylor lifted a shoulder and smiled. You know what they say. What's that? It's always the last place you look. That's the end of the book. Fuck you. <laughs> I was so angry about that. It was like, no, that can't be the last lines. <laughs> you can't have gotten. No, no. <laughs> uh-uh. And then they all jump in the air and freeze. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> Goodness. Um, yeah. Also, there were like. <sighs> um. Okay, I'm I'm gonna kill Lords of Nicholas Lords of Seder. It's it's trash. Um, and I'm going to fuck last place you look. Reasons I also wanted to kill it. It was it was it was boring. It was like watching a bowl of water cool down. <laughs> it was. And it's not even, it's not boiling water. You don't get the bubbles. And it's like barely steamy water. It's just like watching warm water become room temperature. Yeah. It was so boring. Also, I found Julia's self-esteem issues. I also found them boring because it's exactly like every other book we read where a woman will make a joke and then she has to qualify herself. She'll make a decision and then she has to qualify herself. She'll make an assertion in her own head and then she has to qualify it with like, Oh, I shouldn't feel this happy about things. Oh, there was a scene where after the wedding, um, when she, she went to help Taylor at the wedding and she ended up having fun. And then on the ride home, she was like, I wanted to tell basically like, I wanted to tell Taylor that I had a good time, but I didn't want to give the wrong impression. The wrong impression that what you know how to have fun at a party? What are you talking about? Yeah, but that doesn't even make any sense. It even doesn't in, like, make any sense. That isn't actually how somebody like I don't whatever. Yeah. Or it's just like it was it was probably weird that she was having a good time, but it's like, no, it's not. It's not weird for a woman to enjoy herself. Anyway, that's where I want to kill it. But just for that discussion around consent alone and then the sex scene that follows and because not only is it better than our other book today but it's so much better than so many other books that we've read i cannot in good conscience kill this book <laughs> so i'm fucking it with enthusiastic consent and then i'm probably gonna ghost it <laughs> like i don't want to read it again i just want to take that chunk and share that with people be like this is how you do this yep because it also showed not only not only was the consent code, but it also showed different types of dom sub dynamics, mm-hmm. like that Julia was expecting it to be like hard and fast and rough, and then um, uh, Taylor like went about it was like it was more like slinky and seductive, and instead of like giving orders, she was like, because. Also, Julia walks out wearing a black satin robe and black patent leather pumps. I'm like, get it, girl. And then Taylor's like, 
how about you leave those shoes on for a while? In a way that was like, she's telling her to do that, but it's not her being like, keep the shoes on. So it's like showing that there are different ways to approach power dynamics. And I enjoyed that, like, because it was more tender, it kind of like flustered Julia. She's like, I'm fine with people like bending me over and spanking me. This whole sort of like soft, quiet thing is making me really bashful. So I enjoyed that. It was really fun. It was sexy. And that's why we're saving the book. Yes. That was that. That was that. Is it, is it time? Uh, yeah, I do. Is believe it time it for time. our favorite game? Our favorite game. Christine, yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. This is gonna be easy. Um, oh, okay. Right? Love it. So, Get, should we should we give preliminary guesses beforehand? Okay. Um. All right. Let's do it. So, okay. just FYI, when this the when this will be releasing. It will be the day after Valentine's Day, which mm-hmm. means it's also our anniversary episode because Yay. the Valentine's episode is always our anniversary one. Um, and so just like St. Valentine's, that is my clue. Okay. Greeting card writers. That is a good one. No. I feel like I've guessed that before. <laughs> Can somebody write this book? Books, <laughs> please. We, yeah, we need two of them. A straight yes. one and a queer one. Uh, my guess is chocolatiers. Oh, that would also be delightful, but no. I rewatched the film Chocolat recently. Ooh. So good. I enjoy that. I mean, even with Johnny Depp and that whole, you know, whatever. It's such a, it's such a good movie. Alfred Molina does a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. Judy Dench is fucking amazing as always. It's a really always. good movie. And it's just like you you have to eat chocolate while you watch it. Ugh, but so was good. Dame Judy Dench a cat in that movie? No, I don't she, think so. No, she was a Because cats can't have with, chocolate. She was a cranky old lady with diabetes. Oh, then maybe she was a cat. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> that casting is on point. Yep. <laughs> okay. Um, my, I, I have a second guess. Um, is it 15th century French martyrs? <gasps> Ooh, no, but I did look. Somebody I write those look. books, please. I okay. did look. Okay. What, what are the titles? All right. The first one is Mafia Priest. An instant, an insta love age gap romance. Mafia Princess book one and Forbidden Fruit, a taboo priest erotica MM romance. (laughs) The priest and the demon book two. Oh my God. It's priests. (laughs) Living out your flea bag fantasy, bitch. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Which I still haven't seen. I need to go watch it. Yes, yeah, that's a good oh watch. My god. Priest, oh. oh my god! And we were um, <laughs> we were talking earlier about Catholic gays and the baggage they carry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, yeah. So um, these are also short books. Uh, Mafia Great. Priest is eighty-seven pages long. Great. And Forbidden Fruit is 49. <laughs> oh. Great. 
just get in, get out. <laughs> I, listeners, I have a lot coming up in the next like month or so, couple months. So Claire is very generous and pick some short books. I will probably do the same for the next episode. So just be prepared for that. I'll probably, I might pick a Chuck Tingle just for funsies, <gasps> just because I miss oh, him. So it's been so long. It's, it's been, been a so while. Um, but yeah. Oh my. I'm. Oh. It's really funny because I grew up without religion, so I like, I intellectually understand the kink, but I also am like, yeah, but like, mm, mm, mm. <laughs> so I'm curious to see how I react to these books versus maybe Christine, who yeah, had a lot of t- a lot of time in the church, we'll say K through twelve. <laughs> I will say there is um, so Fleabag does a really good job. Uh, with it in general, honestly, there's, um, there's one of the sexiest scenes. It's one of the sexiest scenes. Um, there's also a moment where if you're really paying attention, you know why this is taboo. And it's not just because he's not allowed. It is because he is a leader of the community. And if you really, truly believe, uh, this is also like, somebody who's in charge of your soul Mm. and that is the ultimate power (laughs) Um, (laughs) which also means the consent issues are crazy bad um and there is a moment in fleabag where i you know even though it's at the height of its sexiness in that moment it also opened up for me like because before being like you know you know, sort of raised Catholic a little bit for a couple of years. Um, and then realizing in myself that I don't believe in God and feeling very ambivalent about the whole thing. Like, yeah, fuck a priest, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) It's a man who has a job. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) I don't really have feels about it. It's a well-paying job too. Yeah. Well, I mean, depending, Sure. (laughs) but so like for me, that was like, I don't, I don't fucking care. Like lots of popes have had babies. Nobody cares. It's fine. But then in that moment watching Fleabag, I was like, oh, I get it. So anyway, just a little hint there. But Fleabag is also amazing and one of my favorite shows. So FYI. (laughs) Great. Well, thank you, Claire. No, thank you, Neil. Words are hard. Thank you, Christine. Thank you. Thank you, listeners. Thank you so much, listeners. We thrive on you. We are excited about you. We are happy you're here. And um, if you have enjoyed what you've listened to, if you enjoy our content, please go over to our Patreon. If you feel up to it, you can throw us a little monetary love. If you don't, these are these are hard times. <laughs> and <laughs> you know what? I get a feeling they're only going to be harder. Um, but if you like to talk about hard dicks instead of hard times, you know, you can keep listening to us for free. If you've got yep. a little extra change, you can throw some our way at Patreon. And Neil, give them the address. Patreon.com slash FMKLitPod. And you do have to type that in because if you try to search for us, you might not find us because we are adult content. Because we are filthy. Filthy. But also, thank you to our authors. Thank you, authors. We know that, as we talked about at the top with art, it is something you just do and you put out there. And that is the love of making it is what's important. And you know what? Fucking congratulations. You did it. 
And then we created art by shitting on it. And <laughs> I've also been told that's art. So there we are. There we go. It's a cycle. All right. Cycle and of art. so that is it from us. Um, so if you can do so safely. And consensually. And, you know, <laughs> just consensually, folks. <laughs> 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 <laughs>